grab our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in John chapter number 15 as we're continuing our new series that we've entitled Joyful. We're learning through this passage how we can be full of joy in the Lord. And the Lord laid this, this series on my heart, I believe, at an appropriate time uh, for the time that we live in, for our church. It seems like there have been a lot of challenges, a lot of uh, difficulties in our world, a lot of distractions that, if we're not careful, can sidetrack our focus away from the joy that we can have in God and, and in the relationship that we can connect to in Him. And so I really want us to head into this new year strong and, and filled with the joy of the Lord. The book of Nehemiah tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And many times if we're languishing in our Christian life, if we have an area of our Christian life that seems out of place and, and not connected, a lot of times it's dealing with this issue of joy. And so I feel this is very important for us. We're going to t continue to learn about it this morning. John chapter number 15. And today we're going to look at cultivating joy. What does it look like in our life to cultivate joy? So if you found your place there, John 15, we're going to begin reading of verse 1. And if you're physically able to stand, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. Jesus, of course, is speaking here. I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches." He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you. And notice this here in verse number 11. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And I'm glad about this. I'm glad that our God desires for our lives to be full of joy. And yet many times we find it very difficult to connect with this truth. So this morning as we go through this, let's pray and let's, let's ask God to work in our heart that we might be the branches connected to the vine being filled with his joy. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we do so humbly, knowing that there are many weaknesses in our lives knowing that in ourselves we cannot sustain happiness, we cannot sustain joy, we cannot sustain goodness and love and, and all of these things that flow from you because you are the true vine, you are the source for all of that which is good. So this morning I pray that we would come before you realizing that we are only complete in you and that you would give us strength through the joy that you openly share with us and desire for us to have. So, Lord, draw us close to you today and give us the joy that will give us strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
Many people, when they come to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they have a misconception that all of a sudden, that prayer that they prayed or that instance where they were saved is going to lead to a pain-free life that's full of happiness and frills. That all of a sudden, there's somehow this magical rainbow cloud that hovers over their, their life and drops down pixie dust on them and makes everything okay all the time. And yet, we understand that that is not the case. We understand that as a believer, we still live in a broken and lost and sinful world. And every day that we wake up, we have a battle with the flesh. And every day we confront difficulty and sin and problems and discouragement and doubt and frustrations of all different types and sorts. And what is going to be shared with us by our Savior is so vitally important for us this morning. There is an aspect of responsibility that we have in connecting with Jesus' joy. Just because Jesus is in us doesn't necessarily mean that we're experiencing his joy all the time. Just because we've gotten saved doesn't mean that we're necessarily experiencing his joy all the time. Now, I'm glad for this. I'm glad when we get saved, his very spirit moves inside of us. He literally indwells us. So we have the capacity for his joy in us. But how many understand you can have a container that has a capacity to hold something and yet not fill it up with anything? Or if we're not careful, we'll fill our lives up with all kinds of other things where we're not having space for the joy of the Lord in it. So this morning, as we look at our passage of Scripture, we're going to look at what it means to cultivate joy in our life. It's something that we need to be active in. It's something that we need to be purposeful about. And it's something that we're called to by our great God to allow him to cultivate joy in our life. Now, there are three main characteristics or characters in this process of cultivating joy in our life. And we're going to look at them this morning. First of all, I want you to notice with me the true vine. The true vine. Notice with me, John again, chapter 15, verse number one. Here's the declaration of Jesus Christ. I am the true vine. Now, this is one of those great I am statements from Scripture. Throughout Scripture, uh, God, Jesus, makes declarations about himself. Here he says, I am the true vine. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the wellspring of water that springs up unto everlasting life. I am, I am. He declares himself over and over in Scripture, his sufficiency. I am. And by the way, how many of you are glad this morning? He is. He is our completer. He is our savior. He is our sustainer. And he is the true vine. Jesus makes that declaration. And it's important for us to take note of it. I'm going to give us a couple reasons why it's important for us to take note of it. But first of all, I want us to see this declaration of his own authenticity. I don't know about you, but I like the real thing. How many of you like the real thing? I remember when uh, we lived in Arizona uh, every once in a while, as, as we would go out to run errands or, or go shopping on our day off, we had this little hobby because when we lived in Arizona, uh, the economy was booming, housing developments were going up left and right, and they would have model homes sprinkled all throughout the valley. And so when we would head somewhere and we'd see a new development going up, we'd pull off on our way to get there and we'd go into this new building complex and we'd many times walk through these model homes. And you might think that's strange, but it was kind of fun. We'd walk through them. We'd kind of see what kind of homes were being built in the area. My wife would look at the different design things that were going on in there and dream about different things we could do in our house. And, 
And a lot of times you'd go to these model homes and they'd have bottled water, which in Arizona, when it's 120 degrees, that's good. And they'd have sometimes fresh baked cookies. So it's like the Costco of home shopping. Show up, get some cookies and water and have a great time, you know. So we'd go through these model homes. And I remember we went into this one model home where we went upstairs and Kaylin was with us and she was quite a bit younger at the time. And and, uh, we went into this upstairs loft area and they had it well decorated and we were looking at a few things and and Kaylin had kind of slipped away from us and there was a table there and it had a decoration on the table. It was a bowl filled with fruit. And this had caught my daughter Kaylin's eye and she climbed up into the stool. We were looking at something else and, and she, we heard this like... <sighs> and we turned around and we saw Kaylin and she turned around with this very puzzled and confused and dazed look in her face. She'd bitten into a fake piece of fruit. And you could tell on her face it was just frustrating and like what in the world this is the worst apple i've ever had and i wonder how many times in our lives as believers as we search for things that will bring us joy and fulfillment and satisfaction that we sink our teeth into things that aren't real we we sink our teeth into things that aren't truly going to provide that which god knows that we need they aren't truly going to satisfy they aren't truly going to fill and we go from this bowl to that bowl of fake and 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 promoted pleasure and and promoted vanity and and we sink our teeth into it and we walk away hungry and unmet and so jesus declares to us i am the true vine i remember in high school we would go around to uh, our friends homes and Sometimes we'd go over to each other's homes and watch movies or play games and hang out after school, and, and it was a fun time. And, and, of course, the parents that were in those homes would provide snacks for us and sodas, and, and we didn't drink a lot of soda in our home, so I always liked when we went over to other people's homes and they had soda, but I didn't like the generic stuff. I liked the real stuff. Like, <laughs> like I like Dr. Pepper, not Dr. Thunder. What in the world's Dr. Thunder? <laughs> I want to see his certificate. I don't think that's a real doctor there. <laughs> Dr. Pepper's the real deal, man. I like the real thing. I like real Coke and real Pepsi and, and real Sprite and, you know, real Doritos and you know, all this real stuff. And we know, we can tell when it's real and not real, and yet many times we'll be content to be fooled all throughout our life thinking, oh, no, this will satisfy. Oh, no, no, this will satisfy. No, Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm the one who brings real life. I'm the one who truly sustains. I'm the one who truly blesses. I'm the one who truly sees you. I'm the one who really is fashioned and shaped and knows what your life is all about. I I am the true vine. I'm the one who can give you exactly what it is that you need. And he makes this declaration. The trouble that we run into many times is that we don't look to Jesus as the true vine. And we look to other things to fulfill us. Some of us were, were looking to a career to fulfill us and sustain us. Some of us were looking for a relationship to fulfill us and to sustain us. Some of us were looking for maybe that ship to come in that we've been waiting on. When I get that promotion, when, when, when I hit a certain level of income, when I hit a certain level of education, when I hit a certain level of status... When the kids leave the house and graduate. When, I don't know what goal or situation or person or instance you're looking for, but I want you to know this morning that Jesus is the true vine. 
He's the one that will be that life source for, for eternal life and for joy in your life. We learned last week in verse number 11 that Jesus is for our joy. He has spoken these things that we're learning this morning to us so that his joy might be in us and so that our joy might be full. We, we learned last week he gives us joy that my joy might be in you. We, we, can't, we can't make this joy up on our own. We can't try to connect to all kinds of different things to satisfy us. We are incomplete without our creator, without our savior. He is the true vine. And we need to realize that. And we, we need to stop trying to hook up to all kinds of other things that we think will satisfy us. You bring great confusion into your life, like biting in to a piece of wax fruit. You're confused and you're dazed and you're disappointed and you're discouraged because you thought for sure that thing was going to satisfy you and you're still empty and you still don't have the joy of the Lord and you still don't have the connection to the purpose and the calling that God wants to give you. You think that experience, then when I have that experience... I remember growing up as a young man, oh man, when I get married, when I finally have kids, when I do this, then, then I'll be a real grown up. And how many of you know life just keeps trucking on? <laughs> Things just keep happening. More life's there to be lived. And if I was building my whole life up to be summed up in my relationship and in my children and in everything else, which are blessings, which God has given me, and I can truly enjoy if I'm attached to him. But if I'm not attached to him and I'm resting on all these things to give me joy, that's why we become frustrated in our relationships. That's why we become frustrated and discontent with aspects of our life. That's why we don't put to use the things that God has given us in the ways they could be put to use. It's because we're not attached to the real thing. We're floundering around trying to find something that will fill our lives up with something meaningful. He says, I am the true vine. How many of you have been disappointed with some things in life before? Like you built them up and you just thought this is going to be the greatest thing. And then you were like, Ugh. like, like, you know, if you really like a restaurant, don't, don't just blow it out of the water, okay? Say, this is a really good restaurant. Try it out. Because I've had people come to me and they said, this is the best restaurant you've ever been to in your life. It's like manna from heaven. It's like their food is amazing. And I've gone there and I've eaten and I've been like, eh. <laughs> Maybe they were really hungry that day when they went to that restaurant or something. And anything would have tasted good. You know, we build things up. We put these expectations on things like, man, this is going to be it in my life. This is going to be awesome. And then we arrive at it, and because we were counting on it so much to fulfill us, we're so sorely disappointed. I think a lot of people do that with Christmas. Do you sense that? Like we have our traditions for Christmas, and we have everything that we want it to go, and we're going to visit this person, they're going to visit us, we're going to get this present, we're going to get this present for this person, we're going to have this meal, we're going to do it on this time, we're going to watch this movie, and then oh, all of our holidays are fulfilled. And I'm, 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 I'm all set in my life. And then how many of you know there's always something that doesn't go to plan on Christmas? Somebody gets sick. Somebody doesn't like the present. They go, it was so funny on Christmas morning. My wife and I had this, this wonderful gift for Eden. We thought she was going to love it. We thought she was going to just truly like play with it all day long. But the problem was, is she already had it in her mind what she wanted. And, and my daughter, Eden, she loves trampolines, except she calls them jumpolines, which I think is a way better word for it. I think it makes more sense. So she wanted a jumpoline. 
And we looked at different jumpolines and kind of what they entailed and if we could get one. And, and the kind that we really felt comfortable getting her was like those little ones that you get in the house and they have a little bar on them and she can jump up and down. We thought she's going to get bored of that. So let's get her. She likes to, to cook with this fake food and, you know, make us coffees and make us food. So we'll buy her this little food cart and she'll wheel that around and she'll make coffees and Slurpees and she'll have a great time with that. But the problem was, the problem was, is when we wrapped up this gift, what happens is these toy companies... They put ads for other types of gifts on their box because they know when the kids open them up and they love that toy that, man, now, mom, I want this and I want this. And it's a great marketing strategy because now they've got a menu for the next gifts they want. The problem was that as she opened up her gift, you know, we got her all pictured. We were waiting for the big moment. The camera was there. We we're going to roll. We we're going to see her get real excited. She, she was right there in place. She opens up the gift and on the box is a picture of a jumpoline. She was excited. She ripped open the paper. She goes, Jumpaline, Jumpaline, Jumpaline. And we're like, no, no, honey, it's a food cart. She's like, what? <laughs> food, why? Huh? She couldn't process. It was all disappointing. It was all like, what in the world? We put together her, her food cart. She's wheeling it around like, <laughs> Jumpaline, Jumpaline. We put all of these expectations on all of these things in life, thinking they're going to be the real thing, thinking they're satisfied, and then they never meet expectation. Now, we could experience a lot of good things in life, and God can truly bless us if first we're attached to the real thing, the real vine. The other thing that we run into a problem with, with this issue of the real vine and cultivating joy, is that we try to be the vine and we're not the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You're not the vine. I'm not the vine. You can't be somebody's vine. We're going to learn here in just a moment. We're branches. We're not vines. And we run around thinking that we're going to give life to people, thinking that I need to worry and I need to fret and I need to be there for them. And, and God can use us. And there is a point of a branch bringing forth fruit. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. But I want you to know that not all life flows through you. You're not the vine. You're not the be-all and end-all of your children. You're not the be-all and end-all of your spouse. You're not the be-all and end-all of your ministry. You're not the be-all and end-all of your church. You're not everything. You're not the vine, and I'm not the vine. I can't bring anybody to life. I can't quicken anybody's spirit. I can't convict anybody's heart. I don't have a word of life. Everything that comes from me has to come from the vine because I'm just a branch. And I watch as parents put this pressure on, and I watch as pastors put this pressure on, and I watch as Sunday school teachers put this pressure on, and I watch as spouses put this pressure on to try to be the vine and try to do this. And yes, there is responsibility for the branch. We'll talk about that here in a moment. But you're not the vine. That's why when we talk about bringing people to Jesus, we talk about leading them to Christ, not leading them to ourselves. Amen. They have to be led to Christ. He is the source for their life. He is the source for their fruit. He is the source for their invigoration. He is the source for their truth. Jesus says, I've spoken these words to you because I am the true vine and I want my joy to remain in you and I want your joy to be full. But it can only happen as we understand who the true vine is. People will come to me and they'll say, oh man, pastor, I want to get married and my spouse is going to complete me. 
and I want them to be this, and I want them to be that, and I've got big expectations for them, and, and then they're going to complete me. And I always think to myself, oh, man, that's going to be a wreck. Why? Because that person is counting on that spouse to be their vine. Counting on that spouse to be their vine. And, and they can't be your vine, and you can't be their vine, your branches that should be attached to the same vine where you're getting your sustenance in your life from the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you're never going to have joy if you misplace your calling and you try to be the vine instead of letting God be the vine. He has to be the vine. He has to be the primary one. He has to be the primary one in your marriage. He has to be the primary one in your parent relationship. He has to be the primary one in your life, sustaining you and bringing you fruit. He is the true vine. You're not the vine. I'm not the vine. And I'll tell you, some of the most joyless periods of my life is when I think everything rests on me. Oh man, I've got to do this for the church and I've got to do this for that person. I've got to do this for my marriage and I've got to do this for my children. And I'm not saying there isn't responsibility as a branch that I have, but, but I can't be the vine and neither can you. And some of you are bearing burdens you ought not be bearing. Some of you are trying to produce things that you can't possibly produce. We found out in our passage this morning that we read, without the true vine, without Jesus, without me, ye can do nothing. Without me, ye can do nothing. And I wonder how many of us this morning are trying to be the vine, trying to sustain something that you can't sustain, trying to breathe life into something that you can't breathe life into. Hey, let me just help you out this morning. You can only do what you can do, but do what you can do. You can only do what you're called to do, so do what you're called to do and trust God. Let him be the vine. Let him be the source. Let him be the one that emanates life and produces fruit. We see the true vine. As we continue to understand what it means to cultivate joy, we must know who the true vine is. Secondly, we must understand the branches. We've seen the true vine. Now let's look at the branches. Notice with me again, if you would, verse number one, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. Notice with me at the beginning of verse number five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. This is our role. This is our job. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. I am the true vine, you are the branches. I have my calling. I know who I am. I am the sustainer. I am the life giver. I am the one that you need to be attached to. What's your job, branch? Abide in me. Abide in me and I will abide in you. If you'll abide in you, listen, this is the problem. This is the problem at the root of all of our problems as believers is we don't spend time abiding in Jesus. We're trying to be the vine. We're trying to work out the situation. We're trying to scheme and plan and we're trying to move and motivate. We're trying to make stuff happen. And we don't spend a lot of time abiding in Jesus, abiding in the vine. Hey, when's the last time you had meaningful conversation with Jesus? Not, not where you were in a pickle and you threw up a quick prayer just because you needed the presence of God in a moment in your life, but, but when was the last time you really 
really spent time with the Lord, abiding in Him, abiding in His Word, opening up Scripture, searching it out, studying it, seeing where you need to grow, seeing how you need to be attached to that truth that flows through that vine to help you in those areas of your life where, where you're not sustaining joy, where you're running into difficulty, where you're running into uh, sin and, 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 and being thrown off track in your walk with the Lord. I mean, I mean, really searching out what it means to abide with Jesus. I mean, if we abided with other people in our life, our friends, our spouse, our children, like we abide with Jesus, we wouldn't have much of a relationship. We need to spend real time abiding in Jesus and then walking with him in our daily life, bringing him with us, making sure he's abiding in us and we're abiding in him. We are branches. We are to abide in the vine. If we abide in the vine, we'll produce fruit. If we're not abiding in the vine, we won't produce fruit. It's as simple as that. Now we could get into all the different mechanisms of what causes us not to abide or what causes us to abide, but it's just as simple as that. If you abide in Jesus, your life will produce fruit and it will produce much fruit as we're going to learn later on, and you will have great joy. And if you're not abiding in Jesus, there's no hope for real joy because you're trying to attach to something else as your vine. What are we? We're branches. What are we to do? We're to produce the fruit and hold the fruit that the vine nourishes. That's our job. That's our calling. Are we being the branches that God has called us to be? I am the true vine. Ye are the branches cultivating joy. This is not something that we can be passive about. This is not something that we can ignore. This is not something that just happens magically through us being a Christian. It's cultivated in our life when we realize who the true vine is and what our role is as a branch. How many of you looked at your branches lately? Are are there some buds there? Is there some fruit being produced? I was a little little bit freaked out about winter this year. It seemed like it was never going to happen. And it just kept staying warm all the way through December. And, and, and we'd lost all of our leaves. I'd already raked all of our leaves. And then I went out one morning and I looked at my tree and there was buds on them. And I'm like, it's not time for leaves again. <laughs> I already raked them all, put them in a bag, took them to the curb, snow for a little bit, let a sled, and then in the spring bring the leaves. And I was worried. I'm like, trees budding, plants are budding, things are going to grow again. Are we going to have to rake twice? Hey, check your branches. Are there some buds there, Christian? Is there some life there? That's going to be indicative of if you're abiding in Jesus. Now, this is the scary thing. We can produce fruit from the world in our life. A lot of us, we think because, man, I'm attached to my career. I'm attached to my job. This is what produces life, and I'm bringing home food, and I supply a house, and we've got a car that works most of the time, and all this stuff is happening good. This is all good fruit. Look at the fruit that I have. Well, it's fruit that passes away. It's all temporary stuff. Your house is going to pass away. Your car is going to pass away. It probably has already passed away, and it's just limping on a little bit right now. Uh, you got to get the tires rotated. you got to get the air conditioner replaced. Am I stressing you out yet? <laughs> Bathroom needs redone. There's a leak in the sink. On and on and on, temporary. And we think, man, this is fruit. It's not fruit. It's passing away. 
And if that's all we're producing, if we're looking at our bag of stuff and the only fruit that we have that we've produced is the stuff that's passing away and we look in our bag of eternity and there's not much there that we can identify, then we're not being the branches that we need to be. We're not being attached to the true vine. How many of you brought one of these with you to church this morning? Have one of these cell jobbers. Hold it up if you got one of these cell phones. I want to see who has one better than mine so I can steal it after church and swap it out with you. Yeah, we all have these. And you know what the, the dumb thing is about these? Is you can get one today and tomorrow it's already out of date. Like you're so proud. You're like, oh, I'm up to date. I've got the latest technology. I'm good to go. And you wake up and it's like it can't attach to anything. It can't download anything. How many of you have gotten those little you forgot to turn your phone on silent and late at night it beeps at you and wakes you up and you're like, oh man, someone's trying to get a hold of me. You look at it and it says, update needed. <laughs> like I've already updated like 12,000 times this month. Why do I need to update again? It's like as quick as we get it, it's already gone. And if that's our fruit, if that's all we have to show for in life, then we need to examine our branches. We need to examine if they're attached to the right vine because we should be producing some fruit that remains. We call that eternal fruit. If we're going to cultivate joy in our life, we need to understand the true vine and his role. We need to understand that we are branches and we need to know what our role is. And lastly, this morning, and we'll be done, I want us to see the husbandman. The husbandman. We've seen the true vine, Jesus. We've seen the branches, us. And now we're going to look at the husbandman, God the Father. He's that gardener. He's that horticulturist. Big word. He's that one that walks through the rows of our garden of life and tends to it. And, and I want us, if you walk away with no other thought this morning, I want you to walk away with the intense thought of God's great care for us. He cares that we have his joy. He cares that we're full of his joy. And he cares about it so much that he's willing to be our vine, that we can abide in him and have relationship with him, and that he will abide in us and produce fruit through us, and that God the Father himself will take the time and care to walk through the rows of the garden of our life and make sure that that fruit is growing and ripening and ready to be harvested and plentiful and bountiful so that we can be full of joy. How many of you are glad our God cares for us that greatly? That he is that intimate in our life to care for and cultivate and nurture our joy. He is the husband. And look, look with me real quick. John 15, verse number one. Jesus says, I am the vine. In verse number five, it says, ye are the branches. At the end of verse number one again, it says, and my father is the husband. So now we have the three components of cultivating joy in our life. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And God the father is the husbandman. Now let's look at what the husbandman does in our life to help cultivate joy. Notice with me, if you would, verse number two, every branch in me on the vine, attached to the vine, that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Now we'll talk a little bit more about that in coming weeks. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So what is the role of the husbandman? What does God do as he walks up and down the rows of our garden of life? What does he do? Well, he has his toolbox with him. And he's looking at our branches. And I'm, I'm glad about this. Whether we're looking at our branches or not, God is looking at our branches. 
Whether we're tending to our garden or not, God is tending to our garden. How many of you are glad that God is working on us even when we're unworkable? Amen. He's doing things. And sometimes it's a chastening work and we don't like it. We don't like this pruning stuff. I, I remember for a short time, and I'm not good with plants. I should have never had this role. I was a teenager and I kind of got thrown into this job with some landscapers. And so we'd go around and, and, and landscape people's yards in Arizona of all places. How many of you know that's like literally hell on earth to be out there in 125 degrees chopping down? And everything in Arizona that grows has thorns on it. Everything. Blades of grass out there, thorns. I mean, it's ridiculous. Cactus and it'll prick you here and it'll prick you there. I remember out there in that heat cutting plants and there was this one plant that, uh, that I got to that I cut and it oozed out this red stuff. It literally looked like it was bleeding. It didn't look like it was healthy for the plant at all. But I was so mesmerized by it, I just kept cutting it and cutting it. So I was like way down. It was just bleeding. And sometimes pruning doesn't look healthy. Sometimes pruning looks very painful. To have that thing cut away, to, to have it sliced apart and removed. And yet this is what God does in our life because he cares about our joy and he cares about our growth as things that we won't recognize on our own that ought not be there, that are preventing our growth, that are preventing our joy, that are preventing us knowing more about God, that are preventing us walking further for God in faith. He comes along our rows and he begins to prune that and he begins to cut it away and sometimes it's painful for us to go through that and yet the Bible tells us that it yields the pleasant fruit of righteousness. It yields the pleasant fruit of righteousness in our lives. And he prunes that away. And it's interesting, the tool that God uses to prune our branches. Notice what it says here in verse number three. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. What is the tool that God uses to prune away the stuff in our life that ought not be there? It is his word. It is his word. It's through his word that we are made clean, that our branches are made unencumbered, that we can grow and that we can flourish and that we can produce fruit. Isn't this what Jesus said to his disciples in verse number 11? My words have I spoken unto you so that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. It's all accomplished through his word. And that's why a Christian that won't avail himself to the word of God is going to be a Christian that's not going to produce much fruit. Because this is God's goal for you and me. God's goal for you and me is to cut away anything that doesn't look like him. To cut away anything that doesn't represent him. The goal of salvation is, yes, we have eternal life. Yes, we have relationship with the Lord. Yes, we're going to be with him forever in heaven. But the real goal of salvation is to make us into his own image. That's the goal of salvation. Jesus wants us to look like him. And so he prunes us to look like him. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of visiting Disneyland before or maybe some resort where they've gone out and they've trimmed the bushes to look like certain shapes. But it's always amazing to me how they're able to cut and prune and trim away and out of a bush or a shrub create this sculpture, sculpture that doesn't represent a, a plant but represents something else. I always liked that we'd visit, you know, up in... Uh, Big Bear Lake or Lake Arrowhead. Uh, one time we went to Idaho to visit my wife's folks and you get into those mountain areas and a lot of times they'll have these shops where they're selling these, these podiums or these posts where they've taken 
you know, a chainsaw and they've carved into that post. And maybe there's the image of a bear. There's uh, this lifelike scene that they've carved into this post. What are they doing? They're trimming away that which does not resemble what they're, what they're trying to accomplish. And that's what God does in our life. As he prunes our branches, he's shaping us to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he does that through his word. Are we availing ourselves to his word? The husbandman, God, is walking down the rows of our garden and he's looking at our branches and he's taking his word, the mirror of his word, and he's saying, this is what I look like. Let me trim you. Let me cut that branch. Let me uh, grab a hold of that thing that's withering away. Let me grab that which does not look like me and let me make you look more like my son. This is the way he says we should live. This is the way he says we should behave. This is the way he says we should love. This is the way he says we should be a spouse. This is the way he says we should be a parent. This is the way he says we should be a church member. And he takes out those shears and he begins to cut those branches so that we look more like Jesus. And that's the role of the husbandman. How do we have a life that is joyful? Well, he's spoken to us. He's spoken his word that his joy might remain in us and that our joy might be full. And in order to have a life that is joyful, then we need to cultivate that joy. And the way that we cultivate that joy in our life is we need to know who the true vine is and we need to know what a branch does and we need to know what the husbandman's job is. And we need to yield our lives in submission to the work of God. Are you joyful this morning? If you're not, maybe it's because you're not attached to the vine and you need to get attached to Jesus this morning. Maybe if you're not joyful this morning, it's because you don't remember you're a branch and what your role is and you're running around trying to be a vine and you're exhausted and you're not accomplishing what you think you can accomplish and you need to yield to be a branch to allow the power of God to be used through you and not hijack the power of God. Maybe if you're not joyful this morning, it's because you're not letting the husbandman do his job to prune away the things that shouldn't be there in your life so that you look more like Jesus.